You wish you could go solar, but you either live in an apartment, rent your home, or you're like me and you have a home that is just terrible for solar. Like, I have windows coming out the front of my roof and the back of my house has beautiful trees that I definitely don't want to cut down that are just shading off the entire roof. You know, just not a good situation overall. And before I talked with the company that you're going to see in this interview, I thought the only hope for me was going to be that I was going to have to buy some solar shingles when they got reasonably priced, or maybe some solar paint to go on my siding when that got reasonably priced. Either one was going to be years in the process and not anything I could do right now. However, that was before I met Leon Vandenberg and Ben Cunningham, who are executives at Sunify Group. They are democratizing and digitizing solar in a way that I never thought was possible before. A way that even me, with a terrible roof that I own, and someone and someone living in an apartment, or somebody renting, can own their own piece of solar. They're making it accessible for everyone to say that I got a piece of the sun, and Sunified made that happen. So make sure you stick around all the way to the end, because all of the work that Sunified is doing is not just for democratizing solar and making it accessible to everyone, but also they are digitizing solar in a way that is truly revolutionary. You are here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Tell us a little bit about Sunified and what you guys do. Sure. So Sunified is a global scale-up company. We're located in Canada, U.S., headquartered in Netherlands, and we have a, a fleet of solar parks we're building in Australia. We are the guys that want to digitize solar, and we digitize solar by using an IoT sensor called a Unity chip. And that Unity chip provides a way to digitize the solar energy right on the panel on a per-panel basis. And we do that per panel, per string, per concentrator box right across the whole solar field. So we create a brand new data fabric on top of solar, and there's a number of brand new things that we can do with this rich data, machine learning, and eventually AI. So that's what we do. Very cool. And could you speak a little bit to your mission about what's the mission surrounding all of this? So we want to be the guys that enable solar to be accessible by anyone by using digitization and the next step tokenization. We democratize both the access and ownership of solar so that millennials anywhere in the world, millennials or Zoomers can own a bit of solar by buying a token and getting a yield from that token with a little bit of blockchain cryptography. The real mission is to really provide that democratization of both the access and the ownership of solar. We think solar should be available for the people and not necessarily for big corporates only. And you'll see that there's going to be 
a buildup where if you don't have a roof, uh, how can you own solar? So if you're an apartment dweller, how are you going to own a bit of solar? The only way you could do that would be to own maybe part of a solar company through equities. And with our system, we're giving you property rights via a token for the access and ownership of solar. Very cool. Yeah, no, that happens for me because right now I live in a house that is terrible for solar. We have all these trees behind us on one side of the roof and the other side of the roof, we have windows coming out the front. So it makes absolutely no sense to have solar on our house. But I'm really big into solar. I actually got solar our previous home. And so it would have been awesome to still have solar, but you know, now it just doesn't make sense. So to be able to own a piece of solar would be awesome for me. I like to say we outsource your solar. Yeah, we outsource <laughs> right. your solar and, and we, we give these verified green electrons as well. So the by tagging the energy green using our unity sensor, then we have that access and ownership of the actual energy as well. Very cool. And you mentioned before you have like those four different things that you're bringing to the table. Could you go more into detail of those? So Sonify Unity chip provides four real benefits by digitizing solar. We digitize solar by providing a number of services. We really provide the O&M benefits on the solar panel. And O&M is operations and maintenance. We provide a service to really provide the warranty tracking on the solar panel what that means as far as services on the use of that solar panel. Is it soiled or dirty? Does it need to be cleaned? Is that solar panel on warranty or is it broken or tailing off? Is there something uh, problematic with that? And as you build more and more solar, our system will get better at predicting what is the maintenance schedule for that solar plant as well. So we can do predictive maintenance with, with that service. The mechanism that we do next is really this uh, forecast of the energy from coming from the solar panel. And that forecast and dispatch allows the solar farm owner operator to bid into the marketplace that's a spot market and earn more revenue by being more merchant, playing the spot market rather than taking a low price PPA for all of their offtake. The third thing that we do is provide property rights on the solar park so that people can own a piece of the energy, own the asset, own parts of the energy coming off of it, or the carbon credits, or a mix of all three. And they get the benefit as a yield back to their actual wallet. The fourth thing we do is the cybersecurity upgrade on the actual solar panel itself by providing this brand new security for providing the monitoring. No one can counterfeit the energy coming from the solar panel. And we provide a way to secure the data, making it tamper-proof and even tamper-evident. We'll know if someone has injected bad data into the system. If someone trying to fake carbon credits, we would see that straight away in our network. So that's the four kind of benefits that we bring by digitizing solar this way. Yeah. And this data set is an incredibly kind of sophisticated packet. So when we talk about the ability to trade globally, not only are we taking the kind of energy production measurement, but also the temperature at the time, geolocation, a timestamp, the weather, module angle, vibration, and then of course the voltage and current. So it's pretty high fidelity data and it should be underpin, you know, the ability to trade globally with confidence. Yeah, and with all of that data, it's more than just, you know, what people could use for trading, but also for myriad of other things as well. They wanted to know how to optimize solar energy production. They might be able to use this this data to help that along as well, correct? Correct. Yep. We also provide the data that insurance providers for a solar park would want to have, kind of real-time rating. Is the panel being maintained properly? Yep. As a solar park runs into its first or second 
year of operation. They want to know, is it a problem with the panel? Is it a problem with the installer, the EPC? Or is it a problem with the people providing the maintenance? And our sensor data provides insights into what would be the root cause of any problems. Has it been a maintenance thing again, or is it a panel problem thing? Or did someone actually put their work boot and step on the panel before it was installed? And then we could see that kind of tail off and even instruct a drone to come to that particular solar panel and look at a hotspot. And funny, it would look like a, a work boot, <laughs> the hotspot on the panel. So the, there's a number of ways that we can provide those root cause diagnostics and get that last percentage of improvement coming from solar, but also this predictive dispatch. It's really important to, to have firm dispatchable renewables. We want to replace baseload power with a series of renewable and distributed sources. So we need to do that by treating the energy a little bit differently. And, and the data allows us to do that. Definitely. And are you able to apply this retroactively or is this only on new sites? That's a good question. So we do have a way to retrofit the Unity sensor with something called the Unity T for TAP. We have a way to tap into the, the fly leads at the back of the solar panel and provide that a panel diagnostic that way. Although it's a little bit more expensive, we think that this is going to be a way to get our developers to try out our data service and to do that either per string rather than per panel. And then to also help software developers wrangle their own solutions using our data and our APIs. How could you do that? Even if you have a few garage panels, you could still deal with your own live data and see how that actually works. So there's a number of ways we see Unity T for TAP as a retrofit being part of how we'll enter the market and support our network. But what we really strive to do is to make the Unity anchor, it's called a crypto anchor as well, put that into the junction box of solar panels and then work with solar panel OEMs to do that. Very cool. And you mentioned before there's the 27 different sites across Australia, right? So are those retrofit or are those new production? Yeah, we started off with 27 sites, but and you would have read that in some of the articles, but we now have doubled down and there's going to be about 51 sites now. So nice. 51 sites, about 10,000 solar panels. And those will, the first few will start with retrofit, but we're working with a solar panel vendor. Watch for announcements here, but the sensors will be embedded in the junction box and be part of the service obligation that we bring. And we're really treating ourselves as our first customer, eating our own dog food as it would, proving that this fleet of solar parks will be the best maintained and operated parks in the world. And that that's really what we want the data to transparently report on. Definitely. And you also mentioned before about these energy packets that kind of like follow the energy along throughout the whole process. So you, from yeah. production all the way throughout, through seeing where it's consumed and all those parts. How does that like work with this Unity sensor? Yeah. So if you look at where we're going to start and enter the market, we want to put the Unity sensor on solar to begin with, and then gradually follow the energy as it goes through the grid, through storage, transmission, and then finally to load devices. And so if you track typically what would happen with an EV car, we would generate the energy. We would maybe have a battery and transfer those payloads of energy called electrons to that EV charger. But along the way, there's a number of drop points and places where you'll have losses. And we want to use the Unity sensor to take a packetized approach to energy. Every 30 seconds, we create a little heartbeat of data that follows the energy. These little payloads look like packetized energy. And uh, packetized energy networking is all going to be able to use software to orchestrate how the energy is dispatched from the solar park, where it, it flows into a grid, and then how that grid is balanced. 
So there's orchestration of how the grid is kept safe and balanced. And then eventually into saying, I want to motivate someone to charge their Tesla. When there's green energy, we can actually give them a carbon credit for changing their behavior. And so there's an economic benefit in knowing when to charge when the energy is green on the grid. And that sort of green signal follows with those packetized energy bits. And so this packetized energy approach is also called software-defined energy networking. And this is some of the IEEE projects that we're working on to use the kind of Unity sensor to create these primitives, the signaling and the payloads around the, the software orchestration of energy. So that's the big story. If you step back from just being a solar company, we're digitizing renewable energy and we're starting with solar, but it's an ecosystem play. And we think that everyone in the industry will need to take a look at energy networks this way. Definitely. And with those packets of energy, like say you mentioned before, when they are produced, where they should go, right? If there's an excess, should we put it towards, you know, storage or should we put it towards different parts? You also talked about Bitcoin mining. Can you tell about all those different places that they can go and then I'd love to hear more about the Bitcoin mining part because right. that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. So we do have a way that if you know how a solar park is going to perform for the day and you have predictives on that and you then have a demand curve for the market, you as the energy trader or the solar park owner operator would say, okay, how am I going to get the best yield for these energy packets as I want to sell them. If I sell them, I might get a spot price. If I deliver them to a local customer with a green power purchase agreement, I'll get another price. But there's so much energy in parts of the day, especially in Australia, that it's called the duck curve, where the price almost goes to zero. And even sometimes in Australia, it goes negative and they can actually turn off a solar park. So that problem and challenge of curtailment of solar is something where we say, OK, you don't want to just shut off a solar park. Why don't we put a load behind the meter and one that is programmable? that has almost zero ramp up and that would be a containerized bitcoin rig it doesn't have to be bitcoin it could be proof of work some other blockchain but or it could be distributed compute in a container but something that has a type of schedule and programmable load we think it's interesting that the crypto industry has been painted with this sort of bad actor consuming all this energy but it really only should be consuming brown energy or green energy as a last resort. We see that it's the most effective buyer of last resort. It buys the cheapest energy and puts it to a utility. And so this is the benefit of, of doing Bitcoin mining on, on this type of solar park. And you'll notice that Tesla, Blockstream, and Jack Dorsey's company, Block, have also done this as well. So they're going to have a three megawatt solar park with Bitcoin mining and the Tesla power pack on the parks. We're, we're not the only ones in the industry that are playing with this kind of paradigm to how to get the best yield on a solar park. In Australia, we want to have corporate customers, PPA customers that will take our offtake, but we know that the parks will have surplus energy as well. And we want to investigate the ways to optimize this and use our datagrams and our, our data service to, to predict when, when that possibility is there. Sometimes in the grid in South Australia, the energy goes negative at night. So you can actually repower the battery at night with wind power and still do green Bitcoin mining when the sun is not shining. So it really does depend on the local situation in those local marketplaces. And having the signals in the energy grid to have this decision capability is really important for finding new business models and deal economics. The other thing too, it starts to make green hydrogen make yep. sense. Yeah, it does. Well. Do you want to talk to that, Leon? 
Yeah, thanks, Ben. So if you have a surplus of energy and you can find an electrolyzer yield that would work for you, being able to convert energy behind the meter into green hydrogen is also a play where if there's some surplus there, then the whole hydrogen cycle will also come to some of these solar parks as well. Generally not for the parks that we're building. We're building parks that are around five megawatt. Finding a, a good hydrogen mix or size of electrolyzer for those parks will be more difficult. But as we build and scale into bigger parks, the hydrogen story does play out. One of our first customers in Netherlands is the Port of Rotterdam, and they will be eventually using our sensors for guarantees of origin that the energy is green going into their fertilizers. So that, that's for the green hydrogen play. Thank you, Ben. So the, with your digitizing and really democratizing the solar energy here, is anybody out there, you know, able to go and tap into this and say, oh, I want to, you know, own my own little piece of a solar park? Or is it, you know, just for certain people or, or how does how does somebody else like get involved? Yeah. So that's another good question. And we, we're working with both communities in Australia and Ben can talk a little bit about our Dramana showcase. So we will have a demonstration site in Victoria called the Dramana Solar Park. We're also working with an industry consortium in Netherlands called Two Tokens, where we're open sourcing some of our algorithms and our approach to, to deal with tokenization. It's the tokenomics of how you can provide sensors and digitize and then tokenize solar for solar parks, for commercial industrial installations, and then eventually for solar communities. In, in Netherlands, they would be solar cooperatives. So this means that you could have an apartment, maybe not even have a roof that's viable for solar, but you still would be able to participate in the ownership of solar via your cooperative mechanism. And that solar co-op would, would issue tokens and have a participation through that foundation some some cooperatives use a, this kind of foundation model, which is a, a business structure. And then we can offer participants in that business structure token ownership, and those tokens are programmed to deliver yield depending on the energy that's produced or the carbon credits that are sold. So that gives a participation right for anyone who holds that token in a wallet on their mobile phone, uh, and they get that sort of yield. So, Ben, you might want to talk a little bit about Dramana as well. Yeah, so Dramana is a wider project that also brings in agrovoltaics. It's a great kind of showcase around sustainable living, sustainable agriculture and sustainable energy. It's a very focused community around, right on the bay in Port Phillip Bay in Melbourne. And they're very excited to kind of have this showcase being built in their backyard. It does give the opportunity to be one of the first fractionalised parks because of the, the community focus. So I guess we're looking forward to engaging with them when the technology and platforms ready. So when we talk about democratization and access to solar, it really does depend on the jurisdiction where you are building this. We have financial authorities that, that really will give instruction on how tokens can be sold and promoted in, in an industry, and then how we would be able to deliver those to a community. So there's rules for Netherlands that would be different than rules in Australia. So this is part of why we're, we're getting started and working with an ecosystem play in order to make that happen. And I think, Leon, you can probably talk about the emerging DAO structures yeah. that, that sort of give, it, give this opportunity some real legs. Yeah, eventually what we see is that communities will be able to be self-organized and actually step away from this whole governance challenge. Sometimes a community says, 
we we don't want to necessarily appoint a leader. We would like the community to orchestrate it uh, itself. And a DAO allows this uh, type of approach to happen where you could pre-fund the potential for solar and that capability with solar. And let's let the community organize its own opportunities and then figure out where to install those solar parks and then give a programmatic yield to all participants. So both the governance of and decision-making of, of that community would also be, be done by using token and the governance uh, rules and decision-making would be according to a vote mechanism, those sorts of services. Again, it's it's more blockchain-orientated and web, web 3.0 kind of architectures, but they would weave into these tokenomics that, that we're doing on solar. Very cool. And the tokenomics, or is this something you have currently, or is it still under development? Yeah, we, we have a, a tokenomics design in Netherlands. So there's an initial white paper with two tokens that is coming out. It's been open source again with researchers. So there's a white paper coming from twotokens.org. That's the number two and then tokens.org. So I'll be able to link to those in your show notes. We also have a treatment on how this could happen with Sunified, and we'll be releasing some of our own tokenomic ideas and then engaging with partners that way as well. So we kind of have an open source model on how the industry can engage, and then we're going to play favorites with our own parks and sort of pick a couple of blockchain topologies in our own tokenomics in Australia, and, and again, eat our own dog food and make, make that opportunity for the communities around Dramana and elsewhere. So we, we see that the communities will, will buy into the solar parks as well. It will take about a year or two of operations to do that because we want to not pre-sell the parks, but actually show them as a going concern that they are profitable and here's your kind of yield that you can expect. Definitely. So kind of to talk about timeline here, what are your goals for 2022? Yeah, 2022, we're, we're building six to 10 solar parks in Australia. Uh, we've secured the capital to do that via some debt finance and uh, excited to, you know, break ground. We do have shovel-ready parks, you know, that they're all ready to go except for the money. The supply chain organization of all that has been a challenge during COVID. We think we have that sorted as well. And then we really have two projects in Netherlands to get started on. One is at the Technical University in Delft. They have a green village there. And in the port of Rotterdam, where we will be doing some demonstration work. And we have a client already doing some work with commercial industrial solar panels in Germany. They want to put our sensor with panels in Germany on buildings. And it's a financial package where the participants in that particular token economy the participants get a, dep a depreciation schedule on their own tax returns. So a German investor for these commercial industrial parks, they will get the depreciation on their tax return accelerated. So they, they get a lower tax bill by investing in solar. And around the U.S., there's lots of places where different regional incentives or state incentives also come in with tax authorities to promote solar. And they're also going to be doing that with EV as well. So when you add solar plus EV and community, we see that there'll be a sweet spot for using tokens for tokenomics so more people can participate. And they don't need to be, what's it called, a private investor. This allows this access for millennials, that not, not necessarily this uh, sophisticated investor criteria, which we think is quite limiting for, for people to have participation rights. Definitely. And so you, you mentioned you guys are working in Australia. You have talks in the Netherlands. You have talks in Germany. Where else are you located globally? Yeah, so so the deployments of the technology will be in Australia and Netherlands and around Benelux, including Germany. 
We, we are got partnerships in Dubai. We have partnerships starting off in Spain. Those are very big solar regions. We're, we're taking very slow to do that. Our R&D and deep tech team is in Canada. And Sunified Inc. is registered in Wyoming because of some of the blockchain laws that were, came into legislation over the past few years there. And our team is active in California and on the West Coast in Seattle. So we see that the U.S. is quite fragmented. The, the market entry model for the U.S. is quite unstructured because we, we have to be really focused on where those deal points will work best. The European market entry model is our focus over the next two to three years because we do have a good uniform policy across all of the EU countries. And, and the, the war in Ukraine has created a perverse incentive for them to actually accelerate renewables. And there's actually going to be more action you know, be, because of that. So we've become a member of Solar Power Europe. We are engaging with the industry and providing our opportunities to digitize and tokenize solar to some of those traditional players in Europe. Very cool. I have two last questions here. First one, if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you, finding out a way to join this tokenization, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. So you can track me on Twitter, Leon underscore Vandenberg, and also on LinkedIn. I'm the only Leon Gerard Vandenberg in LinkedIn. So it's pretty easy to find me. Also Sunified Energy on Twitter and Sunified Group on LinkedIn. And also hit hit Ben up there. He's on the on the Mark, Marcom channels. Our website, sunified.com, we've got a brand new fresh website and it's got all about the tech, all about the parks and then a number of inquiry forms. If you are interested as a solar park developer, there's one inquiry form. If you want to participate as a user or a general inquiry, we have some of those too. So we're here to get our shingle out and tell our story. And part of it is also not accepting the status quo. We we also have a term internally that we're a little bit of solar punk. We don't accept that the, this narrative of this dystopian future that uh, even Putin seems to promulgate is part of what is should be our reality. We want to drive the adoption of solar, give people that energy security, and we, we want to create this solar punk kind of theme as a positive future going forward. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one of the huge reasons why I started this video series on YouTube and also going to make it into a podcast is because of the fact that I feel like there's so much negative news about climate change and about the climate crisis and all that going on out there, that there needs to be a spotlight for all the positive things that are going on, especially these great companies like you guys are doing such great work in trying to like get us to meet our net zero goals and really get us to where we need to go in order to stop the this terrible dystopia future that everybody seems to be thinking is happening. And so I think, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, key thing for so many people to get out there and say, like, you know, there is good things going on. It's not all bad. Yeah, <laughs> well, we, are great we, things. I think the news cycle is very problematic, the way that social media, you know, just creates clickbait and, and attention spans of 30 seconds, right, to, and, and it's always the bad things that seem to get more of the clicks. So we, we're trying to promote this way that people can be self-directed with their energy future. We want to use our technology for good. So that part of the reason why our corporate structure has a foundation, 1% of our, our top line revenue will be put to for good projects 
also to motivate our own team and our own shareholders to show that it's not just about you know being a climate capitalist but we can do this technology for good theme and actually act on it and be part of you know what is the the business values that we bring to society this is why we're we're doing it to put a bit of the dent in the universe you know to uh, to to copy someone else's theme in in their life why why they're on the planet and I think we're doing something that is a great sort of champion and hero story, but it's a team sport. We, we need to have more people, more, more bright minds involved. We've got a great, great way to go to market and we, we need more participants, whether it's being an investor or being someone who wants to do their own solar or, or get involved with community solar. So that, that's ultimately where, where we want to see people smiling is to say, I've got a piece of the sun and, you know, Sunified make it, made it happen. That's awesome. Awesome. And if you were to give you know, one tip to another company looking to start their own green business or looking to grow their green business, what tip would, the, would you give them? Persistence. It's a marathon. Just pure persistence. I mean... I can tell you a personal story. I got stuck in Netherlands for COVID. ScoMo shut down the the uh, Australian borders. Ben and I will probably have to, you know, script the movie rights to so the whole story on how this all was just came together, even through the persistence of of all of this running a company remotely, having having been kicked kicked back a few times. So it's just always about persistence. And I would say on the street, hustle beats talent, you know, five days out of seven. You might have the best talent out of there, but still as a business leader, you know, you've got to reward hustle. We always want to hire bright people, but the the guys that get out there, make things happen and do it with a smile and a bit of a plum with authenticity is really important. So I think be authentic and be persistent. You know, that that would be it. That's great. Thanks, Leah. What about you, Ben? Uh, look, I, I, I would agree 100% with, with Lee on there. It really is. You, you, need, you need to back yourself. You need to understand that you have an, an idea that's meaningful, that has the ability to make a dent in the universe. It's interesting. Leon always said, just hang around and you'll get, you'll get a book out of this. At the moment, I'm looking at the new J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. I'm going to have to ask him to split it in split it into three volumes. It's been a, a long, tough battle, but it's really interesting. Leon's maintained this incredible line. I mean, when we first met five years ago and he pitched this concept to me, I, I've got to say I struggled through the white paper, but I got the gist of it. It's unbelievable how over time the, this energy change has come to fruition and his vision, tokenization and fractionalization and digitization of renewable energy is starting to make a huge amount of sense. And that's incredibly exciting. Yeah, that is really exciting. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining me today. I'm super excited to have you both on. It was a very, very interesting conversation. So thank you so much. Thanks, yeah, Billy. Th- thank you, Billy. Oh, I think uh, your, your it would be good to meet your community. And uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. Of course, of course. Cheers. Wonderful. I'll be in touch. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed receiving another dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of top minds 
in the green industries. And if you are interested in seeing the faces of the people in these podcasts or receiving free business training specifically geared to green businesses, make sure you check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity. Positivity.